Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. Hi, I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to Let's Talk PR and More. My guest today is Sue Zizza. Sue is owner of Sue Media Productions, a full-service audio production company, and of Radio Wave Studio, a full-service audio production studio. Sue has produced award-winning audio fiction for the web, public radio, and audiobooks for more than three decades for a range of clients, including PBS, Audible, Macmillan Publishers, and USA Network Sci-Fi Channel. Her work was featured at the 2022 Tribeca Festival, and she has been honored by the Audis, the Gabriels, the International Festival of New York, the National Federation of Community Broadcasters, and the Communications Awards. And she's the 2021 Corwin Award winner for Lifetime Achievement in Producing Audio Fiction. And I'm so honored she's here today. Welcome, Sue. Sherry, thank you very much. I hadn't realized that in three decades I'd done so much, so thank you for uh, reminding me. <laughs> You've done a lot. So, yeah. So let's talk audio. So here's what I'm going to say. When most people, PR people, think of audio and they don't know where we should start or they think it may not be as compelling as video, but audio is storytelling. Let's start with how is telling a story different for audio than it might be for audio accompanied by video? Well, when you're telling a story in audio only, what you're doing is you're engaging every single listener's unique imagination. So Sherry, what scares you? What scares big shaggy, mo- big shaggy monsters, the thing you can't see, spiders. What scares you? The list is so long, Sue. This is only a half-hour show. We can't go through. <laughs> okay, so there but you go. But certainly, the unknown, scared of the unknown, scared of yes, those big shaggy monsters, all of the above. Okay, so those things don't scare me. What scares me are are spiders, and so. When I'm listening to a piece in audio, depending on how well it's using the medium, it engages each person's unique frame of reference, the things that they grew up with, the things that really are deep down seated in our brains. And so audio stimulates that part of us. And because each one of us has unique experiences, we bring to the listening experience those things that are uniquely us. So, you know, David, my partner, is fond of saying, what color would you paint your house? Because each person has a different life experience that brings different things to the, you know. So it allows us in audio to really engage with each each person uniquely. So it's really how we hear it is what you're saying, how the audience hears what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. In video, we are locked to what we're seeing in front of us. But in audio, we can create anything in our imagination. For example, here at New York University where I teach sound design to freshman film students, one of the things I talk about is the difference between working with sound effects and foley. Foley is a term that really means there's a visual element. Sound effects means that it's sound only. So when I explain this to my students, I say, so if we're watching a scene 
in which an actress like Julia Roberts is pacing around because she's having a fight with an actor like George Clooney. She's pacing around the kitchen. As a Foley artist, I have to follow exactly the movements that Julia does. I can't add a footstep because the audience watching the film is going to go, where'd that footfall come from? Whereas in sound, I get to interpret how many different times she might move in one direction and another direction before she finally throws the frying pan at him. So in sound, there's the freedom of independent interpretation. In video, we're locked to what we see. So certainly it does impact storytelling, for sure, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we get to adapt it to how we hear it, which is interesting. I never looked at it from that perspective. Audio books, it's such a common thing for authors today. And in fact, I just read in the New York Times last week when I was prepping for the show that Spotify, which is where you can actually find this podcast if you want, is boosting audiobooks and will be including 15 hours of audiobooks monthly in its premium streaming service. Audiobooks are popular, and I know PR people and executives say we're going to produce audiobooks, and authors have any author has an audiobook. So I want to talk a little bit about them and, and what makes a good audiobook and, and what makes a good production of an audiobook. Well, again, each book, each writer's material is unique. So typically, in today's modern audiobook production, we normally have a solo narrator, especially if it's nonfiction. It's self-help, it's medicine, it's math, it's information-driven. So there we have one narrator often reading the entire book, nonfiction. In fiction, what's happened in the last number of years uh, wonderfully is that there are more voices occasionally based on the budget added to an audiobook, and especially in the area of fiction. And in fiction also now, whereas our company, Sue Media Productions, was one of the very first to add multiple voices, fully realized characters, sound design to the creation of audiobooks, that's become more of a standard in the way that, again, the more high-end books are done. So as an author, if you really want to get noticed, whether you try to read it yourself, if you have that skill, and I do do a lot of work with what's called author-read material. I'm working for one publisher in particular that their originals line is primarily really interesting stories that are being told by a variety of authors about a variety of issues, but they're always with a very positive point of view that if you listen to this story, you're going to get something out of this person's experience, and hopefully it's going to propel you forward in a positive way. And so because these stories are unique to these writers, this particular publisher really wants, and their profile names, really wants the author to read their own work. Well, these are not authors who have either read a great deal of audiobooks on their own. They may have done one or two before, or they've never done something like this. So my job becomes to help them really find their quote-unquote voice, that excitement that they wrote on the page, how to get it out and into their recordings. And that's one standard that we see in audiobooks, which are author-read materials. 
So you can either have something that is author read, which could be in fiction or nonfiction, and then in the world of fiction, whether it's literary fiction from the past, contemporary fiction, New York Times bestseller fiction, often that's read by a professional narrator who has the training, the skill, the technology available to them to record and produce a high-quality product to be listened to. So it really depends on who the author is, where they're coming into the marketplace, whether they have a publisher behind them or they're self-publishing, what the production might look like. But with an audiobook, you are guaranteed to have that additional piece you need to reach into the contemporary market for books. Because without an audiobook, it's very hard for books in general to rise to the level of, you know, success. And audiobooks actually are much more successful than published printed novels at this time, published printed books at this time. Crazy, but I know that's so true. So I know you mentioned just before that publishers want their authors perhaps to do the book in their own voice. And I know in when I think of even in public relations and we work for companies and every executive wants to write a book, right, and create an, a book, an audio book because it's their thought leadership. Should they be reading their own book? And you mentioned you train them. How do they know if it should be in their own voice or not for, for a narrator book? The publisher that I'm working with at the moment, it depends on what they negotiated. So if they negotiated with the writer that they were going to try to let them read their own audiobook, then they'll call me up and say, we have this author, we have this material, we would like to record them in L.A., we have a wonderful studio we work with there, or we're going to record them at Radio Wave Studios in New York City with you, or they live in Boise, Idaho, London, Ontario, Paris, France. Can you find a studio where you can remotely direct them? And so what I like to say is whenever possible, because that author is so connected to their own material, if they can just get over, quote-unquote, stage fright and really feel confident and comfortable, often they are the best voice for their material. However, from time to time, we find that authors aren't good readers or aren't comfortable doing it, and especially in the bigger publishing world where we're talking about New York Times bestsellers, then you want to hire well-known narrators who not only are going to bring that book to life, but also have their own following of fans who, oh, look, Scott Brick wrote, read another book. I want to listen to everything Scott does. You know what I mean? Right. So it gives different, different books, get different treatments, depending on the author, the publisher. But I always like to start with authors that are, new to the industry, especially self-publishing work, and suggest to them that they take at least two hours of their book and literally go and sit somewhere. I often suggest a closet because that's what it's like being in a booth. Go and sit somewhere and for two hours in a row, read your book out loud. 
Can you do that? If you can do that, I can love you into being your own narrator. If you can't do that, if you don't have the temperament, if you don't have the focus, if you're too antsy sitting there for two hours at a time, then you're not necessarily the right person to read the book because studio time, production time, recording time, all these things cost money. And if you're an inexperienced narrator as well as a first-time author, you can find yourself really spending a lot of money and time and not getting a quality product. So I really like to have authors who think they want to read their own work who are not coming to me through publishers, who are independent authors coming through services like ACX and others saying, hey, could you let me read my book? I make them sit for two hours and read their book out loud. And if they get to the end of it and they love that experience, then I'm happy to work with them. Otherwise, I suggest let's go find you a narrator. I love that suggestion because so many people are self-publishing now, too, and they're looking to have an audio book of their book. So that's a great way for them to kind of say, am I the right person to read their book? They're all celebrities in their mind and, and maybe looking to save costs. But that's a great advice. And, and in that self-publishing world, we, you and I both know, it takes a lot to market a book. So and a book, audio book does not market itself. No, it so, does not. <laughs> no, it does not. But but everybody thinks they're going to, you know, self-publish a book and have a bazillion dollars in sales and publish an audio well, book. So, so what does it take things. to market an audio book? Because so, it's not there, so easy and you're good at it. Well, there are a couple of things that I like to tell. Again, we're not talking about New York Times bestsellers. We're not talking about a writer that's coming out of, you know, Penguin Random No, House, no, no, but we're talking about the average person who the is... The average self-publisher. Exactly, and there's really, so many of them. Right. The first thing you really need to look at is the truth of your social media. What kind of following do you have? Because if you have a good following, then you're, you can promote your books to your following and you'll sell it that way. There are a number of writers that we've been very blessed to work with over the years who had what are called backlisted titles. These are titles that when they were written, there were no audiobooks being done or they weren't famous enough at the time to get an audiobook done. Now they've got a bazillion followers and we're able to license that audiobook, that book, that original book for them. Well, those bazillion followers are so excited to have the possibility of listening to the author they've been following or have the author hire a professional narrator so they can listen to the book they've been following. So the first and most important thing is really what is that author's social media presence? Do they have a really good presence and good following? Then the next thing is you need to build relationships just like in any business. And there are certain publications. Audiophile Magazine is the number one publication in the audiobook community. This is a trade publication that goes to the library, that goes to pri private readers, that gets a lot of press. And so if you're lucky enough, and Sue Media Productions has been lucky enough that when we produce a book, we're able to get a review. Reviews in Audiophile Magazine are something that happen after you've built a relationship with the editors there. 
they get to know you. So not only are they willing to send your book, and they get thousands of requests every single month because that's how many audiobooks are out there being published, and they have to figure out what are the 120 books we can put into the magazine this month. And they really do try to make sure that interesting independents and people that have long relationships with them, like Sue Media Productions, we, you know, come up to the top of the list first, but we still have to wait in line. And so you have to be persistent. You have to be polite. You have to know how to approach the magazine. Another magazine which has really become important to the audiobook world is Publishers Weekly. So there's, again, an opportunity for you to have one of the members of the staff review the book, get a piece in the magazine, talk about the book, get a profile about you as a writer. So all these things, and it really starts on that local level, like how many times have you appeared in the local Franklin Square paper? How many times have you appeared at the local library? If you show up at the local library or the local bookstore, do five people show up or 500 people show up? That's really the, the first place that you really need to look, Sherry, is what kind of audience following do you have? And then how are you going to build relationships with the trade publications? And then once you've gotten into the trade publications, that's where you get picked up from the New York Times because they're noticing what Publishers Weekly is reviewing. They're noticing what um, Audiophile Magazine is reviewing. They're listening to the Audiophile Podcast. They're listening to the Publishers Weekly Podcast. And then the New York Times goes, oh, look, there's a trend. I think I'll write about Author X and their new book. And so it sounds it really, like, to me, some of those things you talked about initially are public relations, getting those book signings, absolutely. getting that article written in the Franklin Square Herald or your local paper or your exactly. college paper. So it, it, you do need to, as an author, kind of get that foundation groundwork. Although you, if you That's work right. with the right producer, such as you you've got more inroads than if they were starting to do this on their own. That is correct. And there are resources like acx.com where independent writers can go and find publishers, find narrators, find people to help them with their independent work. And, you know, you have to, you have to though be smart and savvy about the relationship. What, what are you going to pay this narrator? What are you going to, so you build all those numbers based on, again, your personal following. So, for example, one writer that we work with, um, he did a book called Why Did the Scriptwriter Cross the Road? <laughs> and um, the book is all about screenwriting. And I know every semester when the semester starts, because there gets, there's this big bump in the sale of the audiobooks from his productions, um, because schools like to use his audiobook as a supplemental to what they're doing with their primary text and the teachers, and students are always looking for good supplemental books. So while his is not a main textbook, it's a great manual. It's a great hands-on. And Joe Guilford is the son of comedian Jack Guilford. So when it came ah. to reading his own audiobook, I was very excited about that possibility because I knew 
that Joe came from a performance family and he would be fun in the studio. And he was, right? And he is. Yes, you can go listen. The book, I'm telling you, the beginning of every semester, I know when the schools, the screenwriting programs are beginning because every semester we see at the beginning, the end of August, we get a bump. The beginning of January, we get a bump. Are there trends in audiobooks today, Sue? Is it different than it was years ago? Yes. The big trend is more voices. Um, the bigger publishers have seen the benefit to more voices, more production. Also, well, hang on a second. So when you say more voices, you don't mean diversity in voices. You mean every audiobook should have many, many voices in that. Well, both. Okay. Both. I mean both. I mean diversity in voices. Uh, as well as more voices performing the material. And in particular, there have been um, an increase in the more play-like or the more radio play-like uh, work being produced. They call it now podcasts or scripted podcasts or audio drama or radio theater. You know, it goes back to originally the art form that was started here in America. I mean, the BBC has continued to produce this art forever here in America. It kind of got fits and starts, stops and starts because of the way the commercial radio evolved. But especially during the pandemic when there was very little new video film production of able to happen. Audio got a big awareness, and then producers began to realize, hey, we can produce audio anywhere in the world and keep our drivers happy, whereas video and television had to shut down for almost two and a half years. And now, even with the strikes that are happening, audio books and the SAG After Union have a wonderful relationship, and we're not striking. So so all of a sudden, you know, we have A-list actors who we never could get to do an audio book are happy now because they have the freedom in their schedule and the interest. The trends have been that there are more celebrity voices. There are more voices in terms of uniqueness, in terms of diversity, in terms of honesty and casting, you know. And, and at the same time, for some publishers, there are even more cast members in an audiobook. Gotcha. That makes it more expensive to produce, yes? It does make it more expensive to but produce. But worth it. However, but worth it, I'm sure. But, but very <laughs> worth it. And there are ways to minimize the costs. I mean, one of the things that I proved back in 2009 when we did the Source Point series, what I proved to Audible was that there were cost-effective choices you could make while still producing Audi winning work, they took that model, they saw that, you know, we could make money and they, you know, did other other things with it. But the projects we did at that time, we still have the benefit of getting income from. So it really um, it depends on who your producer is. It depends on the casting, because if you've got good casting and a good producer, yes. You are going to spend more money, but that money is going to be well spent and well worth it because your book is going to rise to the top. Oh, well, I assume the product, production value is everything in an audiobook. Nobody wants to hear you recorded this on your iPhone and um, uh, tried to get it out there. I, 
<laughs> I wish that were the case, but in fact, um, there are some products and there are some smaller publishers for whom pristine sound is not everything. Oh, gosh. And so therefore their attitude is if it's engaging and the audience likes it, I, I have actually heard audiobooks with dogs barking in the background, things that were recorded literally in the back seat of a car Crazy. while being driven to work. Oh no, 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 no. So I mean, you know, but then it's the audience it's up to the audience to determine are they going to support that kind of sound or are they going to reject that and those projects don't make as much money? Or so I really would say, is- Sue, it's up to the author to say, is that how I want my brand to be looked at? I mean, this is about brand and reputation management. Is that how I want to present myself to the world? I would think that would be a huge mistake, but um, that's me. I totally me. <laughs> agree with you. I totally agree with you. However, you know, a person thinks that they know better and why should I spend this money And, you know, I mean, I did a conference in July two years ago in San Francisco, and I did a presentation on the importance of even for independent authors to figure out a way to get their books produced as audiobooks. And the number of people who came up to me at the end and said, yes, but how can I do that cheaply? Well, if you want to do it cheaply, you're not doing it professionally. And that's the thing that's going to sell your book. The other thing is it's not just about recording it. It's also about getting it distributed. And there are some distributors who take anything and put it out. They don't care. But then there are other distributors who are looking for only quality work. And if I call up certain distributors, they know my work has quality. They don't even ask if they can listen. They just send me a contract. So you really need to know who's producing this for you so that you not only get it produced, but what are you going to do with it at the other end? You know what I mean? Like we worked with, um, from the Fire Sign Theater, we worked with Phil Proctor. He's the voice of one of the Rugrats' parents. He's been in every Disney movie. If there's a silly little animal, Phil voiced it. So um, in his career, his very long career, he Fire Sign Theater, we had the opportunity to um, help him produce the audiobook for Where's My Fortune Cookie? And the way the book was written, it was a series of conversations where he was remembering certain key moments in his life. And when he came to me and he said, Sue, you know, my, my fans, of which he has a lot, my fans would love me to take my memoir and turn it into an audiobook, but I don't know how to do that. And I said to him, Phil, you have two choices. If you want to go into a studio and simply read the book, you'll do a great job. You're an amazing performer, fabulous voice actor. You know what to do. Here's some studios in Los Angeles. Have fun. If, on the other hand, you're willing to let me blow up the form and really take your life and demonstrate to the audience what your life has been like, You've been being recorded since you're, what, three years old on Broadway here in New York City? You've got the Fireside Theater. You've got all your stand-up, 42 weeks a year. You've got all these different things you've done. Let me take the real sound, and where we can't find the historical real sound, we'll recreate it. And let's produce these chapters, not only as chapters for an audio book, but as a podcast series.
show. So what we did was we had the opportunity to we had the opportunity to record Phil at Radio Wave Studios in New York City. And then we went in and together we agreed we were gonna use this sound, this sound, this sound. And then when we finished each chapter, we put a little head and a little tail. We found this wonderful host, this, this stand-up comedian here in New York City named Tom Kelly. And Tom came in and recorded little intros, little outros for each of the chapters. And then we put it out as a podcast series on Podbean. We created the Proctor Podcast. And this way we seeded the audience. Each week they got a new chapter. When we got to the end of the book, we took all the chapters, we took the Tom's open and closed off of each of the chapters, and we released it as an audiobook. The same people that bought it as a podcast series then said, oh, now I can get it as an audiobook, and they're spending fourteen ninety five on the audiobook. So by repurposing the same exact material in multiple ways, by bringing in sound design that, that owned because he licensed this you know this was all his material it gave it a more rounded more exciting uh, listen for his fans and again he's got quite a fan base and then when the review came out from audio file magazine it said you know more memoirs should try to see if they could add the sound of a person's life in the same way that this did so that was pretty exciting. That's for us. fabulous. And that's a great place for us to end because it's out of time. Sue, thank you so much for being here today. This has been great. Thank you, Sue, for letting me come and chat with you a little bit about audiobooks and the kind of production we do at Sue Media and Radio Wave Studios. And if any of your listeners would like to reach out to us, we're SueMediaProductions.com, RadioWaveStudios.com. And we're always open to talking with new people about wonderful audio storytelling. Sounds great. Thank you. That's Let's Talk PR and more for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. And if you want to hear the show again, you can listen to the podcast, which is posted on Goldman Communications Group's website, as well as on most podcast sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.